Happy Friday, everyone. It is Friday, June 24th, 2022, and this is the weekly uh, update and things that we hope you find interesting from the Missouri Funeral Directors and Embalmers Association. As you might uh, guess from uh, what I have behind me here, uh, we're going to talk about doing some digging today. Actually, what we're going to talk about today is disinterment. Had a number of questions on disinterment uh, over the past couple of weeks. So we thought now it might be a good idea to update everyone. What uh, are the rules and required procedures under Missouri law when you're disinterring a body? Well, first off, a little history. We, uh, not that many years ago, it was a little while back ago, there was a confusion in the statutes. It was not clear about disinterring a body. And the problem being was you could have a disconnect between whoever had control of burying the body and who had control of the cemetery plot. This is a problem. So maybe it was uh, the widow of the deceased. That was the next of kin at the time of death. But one of the adult children purchased the cemetery plot. Okay. And so they owned, quote unquote, owned the cemetery plot. And maybe the wife wanted it moved, but the son didn't. And, and the son would say, well, you can't come onto my property because I own, quote unquote, the cemetery lot. You can't disturb that. All right. Well, it was confusing and it wasn't uh, clear in the statutes as to who had control. So we, uh, Missouri Funeral Directors and Bombers Association and the Cemetery Association and some others got together and uh, helped draft a law that was passed a number of years ago that at least gives you the direction of what you're supposed to do is so who is in charge. So the first step is, is the person that's wanting to disinter the body, remove the body from the cemetery to take it somewhere else. Does that person have the right to do that? Well, that statute you can find, it is chapter 214. 208 uh, of the Revised Statutes of Missouri. And here is what that statute says. Every person or association which owns any cemetery in which dead human remains are buried or otherwise interred, so again, this also would include mausoleum spaces, is authorized to disinter individual remains and either to reinter or rebury the remains at another location within the cemetery or to deliver the remains to a carrier for transportation out of the cemetery, all pursuant to the written instructions signed and acknowledged by the next of kin at the time of death of the deceased person as set out in 194-119. So that's the first person on the list. Whoever was the next of kin of that deceased person at the time of they, they died that is the person, number one on the list, who has authority to uh, have the body disinterred and moved either within the cemetery or delivered to somebody to remove outside the cemetery. And you will note that it does not matter who owns the cemetery plot. That's the key thing. It does not matter whether or not the person who was the next to kin at the time of death is the one who bought that cemetery plot or not. This statute authorizes the disinterment as long as you get the written instructions from that person. Now, what happens if the person who was the next of kin at the time of death is no longer alive, which often happens. You had a husband and a wife, husband died, wife was the next of kin, wife buried 
husband at uh, cemetery number one, wife has passed away and is buried at cemetery number two because they've moved uh, since then. And the kids want to disinter dad and move dad over to be buried next to mom or something like that. So the original next of kin is no longer alive. Well, then we go to the next section of the statute. And it says, if the next of kin at the time of death as set out in 194, 190, 119 is no longer living, then a majority of the following adult members of the deceased person's family who are then known and living. So we've got a group of people here and it's the majority vote. Surviving spouse, children, and parents. Okay, so when those are all equal, so if the original next of kin, whoever that was, is no longer alive, you look at this class of people, the surviving spouse, children, adult children, and parents. Uh, now, of course, if the surviving spouse was the next of kin at the time of death, then that person is number one on the list. But it's very possible that the deceased, for example, had a power of attorney and had given the chapter 194-199 right of sepulcher to somebody else. And now that person's passed away. So that's why the spouse is included in that class, even though very often the spouse would be number one on the list. But if spouse was not number one on the list, they are included in the second level of group. So it's all of those people. It's the kids, the parents, and the surviving spouse, if they weren't the next of kin to begin with. And it's the majority vote of those people. They're all equal. So yes, if you have one child and two parents of the deceased, the two parents could outvote the one child. That's a little bit, uh, you know, that may not sound right, but uh, this does kind of carry over some of the previous statutes that did exist that were confusing. Uh, it was easier to rework some of the previous older statutes and include them and then also have them match up with some other things. So that may be sound a little strange, but that is how it is. Um, the uh, next, next group of people are the spouse, children, parents, after the original next of kin, and it's the majority of those people. So if it's a three to two vote, if it's a two to two, you know, we'll get, we'll get what in just a minute, what happens if it's a tie, but it's the majority of those people and you need to get that in writing. Well, what if none of those people are alive? Uh, you don't have any living spouse. You don't have living parents and you don't have living adult children. Well, then the statute goes on. If none of the above family members survive the deceased, then the majority of the grandchildren, brothers, and sisters of the whole and half-blood may authorize in disinterment, relocation, or delivery of the remains of the deceased. So the next level is grandchildren and brothers and sisters, whole or half. And once again, it's the majority that rules on that. And again, you need to get that in writing. Okay. And then who pays for it? Well, it's the people who are asking you to move. The cost of such interment, relocation, or delivery shall be paid by the deceased person's family. And of course, it, what, that would be the deceased person's family who are wanting to move the body from one place to another. All right. What happens if there's a dispute? Or what happens if we're further on down the list? There are no grandchildren. There are no brothers, no sisters. You've got somebody that wants to disinter great-grandpa, okay? Well, the next section of the statute talks about dealing with the courts. 
Every person or association which owns any cemetery in which dead human remains are buried or otherwise interred is authorized to disinter individual remains to either reinter or rebury the remains at another location within the cemetery, deliver the remains to a carrier for transportation out of the cemetery, all pursuant to a final order issued by the circuit court of the county in which the cemetery is located. The court may issue the order in the court's discretion and upon such notice and hearing as the court shall deem appropriate for good clause shows and shown, including without limitation, the best interest of the public health or safety, the best interest of the deceased person's family, or the reasonable requirements of the cemetery to facilitate the operation, maintenance, improvement, and enlargement of the cemetery. So if you don't have the original next of kin, you don't have the a majority, a good, clear majority of the spouse, children, and parents, or if you're going down to the third level, you don't have the grandchildren and brothers and sisters. If you don't have those, or you do have those, but it's a tie, like two to two, then you're going to have to go to court. Okay, you're going to have to go to court. And the court will issue an order saying it's okay to disinter. So the lowest it goes down on the list under the statute is the grandchildren before it says you need to get a court order. And the court order can be for either it's great grandpa and I want great grandpa moved. And the court will look at that and decide, well, is that in the best interest of the family? And if there's other grandkids that don't like that, or if there's other collateral relatives that don't like that, they may show up in court and argue that you shouldn't do that. But it's up. It's totally within the court's discretion like that. Also, if it's a brother and a sister and brother wants to move dad to a new cemetery and sister doesn't want to move dad to the new system, a cemetery and they can't agree, well, one of them can go to court and the court then will have to look at both of their arguments and decide which one, if either of them is in charge and will issue an order for the disinterment and removal and transportation. Of course, important in this, the very last sentence, the cost of such disinterment, relocation, delivery, and the related court proceedings shall be paid by the person so ordered by the court. So if you go to court, uh, the court will, the order will include who has to pay the bill for this. So that's good as well. So in other words, um, to recap, number one on the list is whoever was the next of kin at the time of death. Number two on the list is the surviving spouse parents and adult children of the deceased as a single group where the majority wins. If none of those people exist, the next group is the grandchildren and brothers and sisters of the deceased. Again, as a group, majority wins. And if you don't have any of those people, or if within that group you have a dispute and it's a tie, you need to go to court. And the court will look at everything and issue an order. Of course, you might've picked up on there that the court can also issue an order to disinter and remove a body for several other reasons, such as uh, the best interest of the public health or safety. So if there's some kind of health issue, if there's a problem, uh, the best interest of this person's family and the reasonable requirements of the cemetery to facilitate the operation and expansion of the cemetery. So if the cemetery needs to expand their operations, and to do that, they need to put in a, a, a road, a driveway, and that driveway would require you to move some of the cemetery plots over 20 feet or something like that. The cemetery can go 
to the uh, court and say, well, in order to enlarge our cemetery, in order to improve our cemetery or to make it safer, we need to move these following graves to this other location. Uh, the cemetery could do that. The cemetery can even say, well, we need to move these bodies outside of the cemetery to another cemetery if there's good cause shown. Going to have to pretty good cause probably. But for example, that had to happen in several floods that have happened where the flood washed out part of the cemetery and some of the graves may have came up. Others are now at risk. They're no longer safe to be there. Uh, there's no other place to put them into the cemetery. So the bodies have to be moved to another cemetery, something like that. Those are all reasons the cemetery and there you can think of that's a pretty broad category. So there's a lot of reasons the cemetery might come up to say we need to move the bodies either within the cemetery or without the cemetery, but they're going to have to go to court and they're going to have to convince a judge that this is either necessary for the operations of the cemetery or for the safety health of the public or the, the safety of, of the operations. But there's one instance where the cemetery can move bodies and not ask anybody for permission. And that's also in the statute. It says, uh, a cemetery in which dead human remains are buried or otherwise interred at the cemetery owner's expense may disinter individual remains and re-enter or rebury the remains at another location within the cemetery in order to correct an error made in the original burial or interment of the remains. So if the body was buried in the long, wrong spot, the cemetery has the authority to move that body without going to court, without getting the written permission of the family members. If I was a cemetery operator, I'd probably make sure I got family members to sign things uh, to make sure people aren't unhappy. Now, they're probably going to be unhappy in that case, no matter what. But at least so you know that you let them know what's going on. So those are the disinterments. Now, if you are involved in the disinterment, again, you need to make sure that you have either in writing from the appropriate people, uh, a notice that they want it to be disinterred. We have a form for that online in the members only area, or you have a court order that says this person is authorized to disinter the body and is going to pay the bill. What's the next step? Well, prior to the disinterment, if you are removing the body from the cemetery, you must notify the coroner, the statute says. Interestingly enough, the statute doesn't say which coroner. What if you're removing the body from county number one and taking the body over to county number two? Which coroner do you notify? Well, the statute isn't clear on that, so I would notify both of them. So before you do the disinterment, you need to notify the coroner that you are moving the body from place number one to place number two. If it's within the same county, of course, just notify that county coroner. If you're crossing county or jurisdictional lines, make sure you notify both coroners or medical examiners that this is what you're doing. The statute also says you must send notice by certified mail to the closest known relative of the deceased. Well, now nine times out of 10, the closest known relative of the deceased is probably the person who's hiring you to disinter the body and arrange for it to be taken to somewhere else. But even if that's the case, you still need to send them some sort of notice by, by a certified mail that alerts them that this is what's going on. Of course, if you have a court order, all right, and the court order says uh, nephew here has the right to disinter the body, but you happen to know there's a closer relative of the deceased, well, you're gonna have to send them again certified uh, letter notifying them, certified notice that they are 
you're moving the body, which of course might trigger more disputes. But uh, the easy thing, of course, is if you've always got a court order, you do what the court order says. If somebody wants to challenge the court order, that's their problem. That's what they should do. If you get a court order, do what the court order says. Lastly on this, we have the issue of what to do about interred cremated remains, where the cremated remains are buried uh, somewhere. Well, frankly, there isn't any really good rules on this. Uh, with cremated remains, that's different than a deceased human body because in Missouri, the burial is the final disposition of a deceased human body, but it's the actual act of cremation that is the final disposition in a cremation case. So once cremation takes place, final disposition is over and there are literally no rules in Missouri, state law rules, on what you can or can't do with those cremated remains. They are in effect personal property of the person who contracted for the cremation. Those cremated remains belong to the person who uh, contracted for the cremation. So if they're uh, interred somewhere, uh, there really is no specific rule dealing on what you have to do to dig those up if somebody wants to move them to somebody else. It's like you buried another piece of personal property on some on some at some place and later on you want to dig up that personal property and take it somewhere else. So there are really no rules on that. Uh, the statute dealing with cemeteries, uh, it says dead human remains and that is not the same thing as cremated remains because of the way the uh, statutes under cremation are worded. That's really not the same thing. So that really doesn't apply. Now, if you get involved in a situation like this where there is a uh, uh, perhaps cremated remains that have been buried at a cemetery. There is no harm in at least trying to follow this statute and get the written authorization of the person who contracted for the cremation, because that's the person who's in charge of the cremated remains. And if that person is no longer alive, the person who contracted for the cremation is no longer alive, see who is the heir to that person who contracted for the cremation, try to get their written permission. And if you can't find anybody whatsoever, um, there is no real good guideline in the statutes. Uh, if it's a, a situation where something needs to be done, the cemetery, the safest thing for the cemetery to do would be to go get a court order if they needed to remove cremated remains, because this statute really doesn't technically apply to that because it's, but nevertheless, it doesn't hurt to get everybody's signature on something whenever possible. So if you can get everyone's signature like this, the kids, the grandkids, or whatever the situation might be to remove cremated remains from one place to another, eh, that's a pretty good idea to try to do it. Is it absolutely required? Perhaps not. So uh, if you get involved in a cremated remains situation, and the person who contracted for the cremated remains is still alive. That one's easy. Do what the person who do what the cremated remains uh, contractor, the person who contracted for that, wants you to do. If that person's no longer alive, and a grandchild wants to remove the cremated remains of somebody from one place to another, that's a little bit trickier. And why don't you give me a call, and we'll talk about it. Until next time, then have a wonderful week and stay safe.